Jesus said in John chapter 12, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. That's what Jesus said. and That's what we're trying to do here at Emmanuel. Hello, my name's Pastor Bob Gray, and I'm glad that you've taken the time to join us for one of our services. Our goal here at Emmanuel is to lift up Christ, to lift him up so high that no matter where you're at right now, he will draw you closer to him. That's our goal. May you enjoy the services of Emmanuel. And if I can be of service to you, please let me know. God bless you. Enjoy the service. Mark chapter 16, if you'll head there. I feel like I'm a little bit too loud up here, if you'll back me off just a little bit. Mark chapter 16, it was referenced inside of the musical that we just heard, Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the, great, that the stone was rolled away, and for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white raiment, white garment, and they were frightened. And he saith unto them, Be not afraid, be not afraid, and ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. I love it. Can you read the next two phrases, please? He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples. And Peter, that goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him as he has said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher. And for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now I'm going to pick up the baton as we run this last leg on this Easter morning from the musicians. It is one thing for someone, for mortal man, to declare the cockiness of man and then hoping that your claims come to pass. In the fifth inning of the 1932 World Series, legend Babe Ruth pointed to center field, stepped up to the plate, and on the next pitch hit a home run to center field. What cockiness of mortal man. He had no idea what the pitcher was going to throw at him. He had no idea if everything was going to work out just fine. But in his narcissistic mind, he knew he was good. And he just simply pointed. And on the very next pitch, I got one better than that. Our Lord Jesus Christ, before this thing ever got started, pointed past the grave and said this, I'm coming out. Now, this was not the conditions were just right for him to come out. He was coming out. In fact, he boasted of this. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Mark 8, 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. 
where, where people may have mocked Babe Ruth and may have had to be shocked at his claim. Babe Ruth never claimed to rise from the dead. He only claimed he could hit that ball over that center field wall. But this man stepped up, robed in flesh, and said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, whosoever believeth in me. Never. Did you like that? Nunca. They never will perish. He pointed to the center field wall and he said, you kill me, I'm coming back. And said this fellow, Matthew 26, 61, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Verse 63 saying, sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. They didn't know if he was serious. So they took all human precautions to make sure that that home run for eternity never happened. Matthew 27, 64, command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure unto the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, ye have a watch, go your way. I love this in the, in the word. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. I get a kick out of that last phrase, setting a watch. How would you like to be the guards that get your duty roster for that night? How would you like to be those guys that came in and thought, okay, where are you going to put me in the kingdom? I, I have my, my, my garb on. I've got my sword. I'm, I'm ready to go. Tonight, you're going to go guard the tomb of that man named Jesus. Now, isn't this that man that said he was going to come out three days later? And I love what Pilate said. Yep, y'all go do the best you can. And so they did. We all know what happened on that third day. He came walking out. And I'll tell you that even the world said, we've got to put a spin on this story. We can't let this story get out. We can't let this message get out. So we've got to create a narrative of what happened, how come he left. Matthew 28 and verse number 12, and when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. And if this come to the governor's ear, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Can I tell you, there still is that bribery that has happened down to where people on this day are proclaiming his disciples stole him. How many intellectual scholars that have been to the Middle East and they have taken their toy shovels and have dug through the remains of an earth only to try to prove that his disciples stole him. Always, people are going to take a stab at our Christianity. Listen, this is the day that Christians get to stand up and say, this is why we are Christians. We are Christians because he's not entombed in a statue. He doesn't have a big belly sitting somewhere. He doesn't have just wise principles. He is the son of God and he lives. 
And you sitting here today, as you heard the stories and you heard the songs and your heart started to swell on the inside, and although you may not have been a fanatical, as I was on the front row forgetting where I was, but you know why all of a sudden in your heart it started to rise? Yeah. is because you're a walking testament. You're a walking testament that he lives. A woman once wrote to a well-known radio preacher these words. Our preacher said that on Easter, Jesus just fainted on the cross and that the disciples just nursed him back to health. What do you think? The preacher replied, Dear sister, beat your preacher with a leather whip for 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for three days, and see how that goes. His disciples did not nurse him back to health. They fled. His disciples did not bring the first aid kit. Our Savior did not take a narcotic. Our Savior went to the cross willingly, gladly, for the joy that was set before him. The one fact that makes this the greatest event of all time, and I want you to think with me, is what he looked like before the tomb and what he looked like after the tomb. This is what gives us that excitement. You see, before the tomb, if you'll put up the first verse, gentlemen, 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us this. For he hath made him to be what, please? For us. The next phrase. Who knew no sin? Physically, he was on the cross having been beat up. Physically, Isaiah says that his visage was so marred more than any man. You see, what he was on the cross and his ugliness and his bloodiness and his nakedness and this shame, this open shame where mamas would cover the eyes of their children because of the goriness of it, that ugliness physically on the cross was a representation of him becoming your sin for him who knew no sin. He became your immorality. He knew no man morality. He became your thievery. He knew no thievery. He became your addiction. He knew no addiction. He became your dark nights. He knew no dark nights. He became your human failure. And you take every believer in this room, every believer around the world, and that night on the cross, as the lights grew dim and went to total blackness, this was the result. He carried with him on the cross all of our sins and all of our sins were laid on him. He was mocked. He was beaten. And this is what he did. And down from that cross, Joseph of Arimathea begged the body of Jesus. And when they put him in the tomb, they put him in the tomb with the ugliness of our sins. But then three days later, Three days later, he came walking out of the tomb. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Listen to this. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again. This passage... The theologians have argued for years 
What did he do during those three days? The speculation abounds to the point that people have divided friendships over what did he do during those three days. Can I tell you what he did during those three days to my knowledge? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know what he didn't carry out with him after those three days. He didn't carry out with him our dark nights. You see, when he died for our sins and he was buried where he went in glory, he came out glory where he went in with all of our sins. He came out with no of our sins when he went in with your sins. And how many people sitting here right now are like, I wish I could forget. I wish I could bury it. I wish that day had never happened. Listen to me. When he walked out of that grave, it never happened. The beauty of this is 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye. At the last trump for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a believer here today, when he died for your sins, he buried. He took the corruption and he buried it. And if you're sitting here today and you're saying, boy, I wish I could live that kind of life. I wish somebody could set me free from the guilt. And please know the distinction here what I'm about to tell you. I wish somebody could set me free from the guilt. That day is only two steps behind me. About the time I try to rise up to where I need to be as a husband and need to be as a father and a mother, it just seems like that guilt reaches its tentacles up and it just pulls me back down in my mind. How do I escape the guilt? How do I escape this guilt? In order to escape the guilt, you first have to escape the condemnation. Would everybody please take your Bibles and go to John chapter 3 and verse 16. John chapter 3 and verse 16. John chapter 3 and verse 16, the greatest verse of all time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall should not perish but have everlasting life. For God, look at this, sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, look at this, is condemned already because he hath not believed. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not working your way to heaven. You're not working your way out of anything. You and I started out condemned. You have to realize from the very first breath you took, you were a dead man walking, and you were on your way to hell. God is not requiring that you rise to a level of goodness, and then he takes you from that point. God does not take you from your level of goodness. You and I are condemned. And this is why when you are condemned, 
And some people sitting in this auditorium may be sitting here saying, how, how do I get past this? I've tried turning over a new leaf. Here we are. We're just a couple of months into a new year, and I've already walked backwards. I've already gone back on my promises. I broke my promises with my wife. I broke my promises with my family. I broke the promises with me. How come I can't get past this? It's because you've got no power on the inside, and that power is only found in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can bury your sins. He's the only one that can can walk away from your sins. Oh, that's a key phrase. Do you have any idea what the resurrection was? The resurrection was I buried all mankind's sin because I, paid, I buried it. Watch this. And then for 2,000 years, he's been walking away. How many of you want to walk away from that? What is that that he's forgiven you of? The reason you can't walk away from the guilt may be because you've not walked away from the condemnation yet. And the only way you're going to get away from those sins being paid for in a devil's hell is when you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Well, we've been trying for 64 minutes to sing about him and talk about him and read about him only to bring you to this conclusion. He loves you no matter what you have done and no matter where you have been. He loves you. 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 And when he says he will not remember your sins, would you put up the next verse, gentlemen? Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. Listen to this. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I what please remember no more you say pastor how is that even possible because he paid the price and when he died on the cross he was buried he took all of the lost humanity sins of all mankind and he buried it and then he steps out of that resurrection he says whosoever I'm not willing that any should perish and listen to this there's no reason for you to die and go to hell. It's all been paid. Look at his promise. Their sins and iniquities will I what, please? Well, we just need to forget. That's what man does. God says, nope. I am making you a promise that I will remember no more. There are two kinds of people who have been listening to this entire day. One of you is you're a believer, and it swells up on the inside of you just this love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe there's another, some of you, that you sit here envious. Is this true? Is this true? Listen. It's true. It's true. The point I want to get across this morning as I close is this. You too can walk away from any dark night you have ever lived. You too can walk away from the condemnation of it and the guilt of it. Those two things is what keeps people from living. This, this is what forgiveness is all about. 
forgiveness and redemption and restoring and just getting back. You say, Pastor, is it possible for you to put my marriage back together? Absolutely. Because he paid for it all. You say, Pastor, is it possible for me to walk past where I was and People may remember, is it possible to outlive? Yes, it is. Because once Jesus Christ becomes your Savior, and once Jesus Christ becomes your sovereign, once he becomes the person who forgave you of your sins, and now he sits on the throne of your life, let me tell you something. You not only can escape in it forever in hell, but you can live this victorious life you've always wanted to live. But here's what it comes down to. Jesus. Jesus. Would you please go to Romans chapter 10 and verse 11. And I want to show you this as the musicians come. Romans chapter 10 and verse 11. And if I did not acknowledge at this point how kind of a crowd you have been. You've been in church for over an hour and a half. And uh, that's okay. Y'all, we're okay. I think the average ball game lasts two and three hours, so we're okay. I can hear you. Yeah, but pastor, in between those, we get a bathroom break. And uh, Romans chapter 10, look at it. For the scripture saith, verse 11, whosoever believeth on him shall not be what please, ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. What the writer's trying to tell us is this, that whether you're religious or you're a heathen, you still have to come to Calvary the same way, by faith. What, it, what this literally means is whether you've been raised in church or you've never been in church, all have to come to salvation the same way. And I love it. For the same Lord over all is what, please, rich unto you see, we think, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. They've, been, they've grown up in church. They've always been here. God's going to be more favorable to those who are church kids. No, no, no. He's rich unto all. Because, listen, even if you were raised in church, you were not raised in church. Without Christ, you die and go to hell. That's why he said this. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew raised with the religion or you're a Greek and you were raised some other way in mysticism, everybody has to come the same way. And here's the beauty. He's rich unto all. That's what I love about church. You lost your last name when you walked through that front door. You lost your pocketbook number when you walked through that, that door right there. Church is not supposed to be a social club. Church is about Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter. I love this right here. He's rich unto all that call upon him. Look at verse 13. For what? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Look at verse 14. How then shall they call in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? And how shall they preach? I want you to notice this. Except they be what? Listen, today, God has sent a preacher into your world. I don't know why you're here. I don't know the motivation behind. I would like to believe, because I'm a pastor, 
that 100% of the people here, the total motivation is God. But I think reality is it kind of steps down from there. Whatever your motivation is, I'm glad you're here. But it is no accident that the songs you have heard and the scriptures you've heard read and the preacher preaching this morning, it is no accident that this is being sent to you right now. Listen, he died on an old rugged cross. He took all the sins you have committed, all the sins you are committing, and all the sins you will commit, and he paid for it all. And then he buried it. And when he walked out, he left behind what you did and who you are and were. That's why in the road to Emmaus, on that road to Emmaus, they did not recognize him. But they said this. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked to us by the way and while he opened to us the scripture? If you're here today and you're unsaved, you don't know Christ as your savior. Here in just a moment, the officers of our church, the four deacons will be at the end of these side aisles. I'll be standing right down here. We're going to stand here in just a moment. Brother John's going to sing to us a verse of invitation. If you do not know Christ as your personal Savior, would you come? And if you're here today, and you say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved, but I'm still living in this guilt. Listen, God is greater than your guilt. Your sins have already been paid for. Did you understand that your sins have already been paid for? That is the beauty of the resurrection. Your sins have already been paid for. And if you have confessed them, and if you said, look, Pastor, that's not even me back there. Your sins have already been paid for. Walk as far away from your sins in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ as Christ did when he walked out of that grave. And he said this, your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That old song, what sins? Are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the, it's true. You come to God and say, God, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is not who I am. This is not what I want to be. And I promise you, I'm trying. Listen to me. You have a Heavenly Father that gets this. They've all been forgiven. Thank you for being with us during this service. My prayer is always as I study that God would use his word to speak to people's hearts. And may you have a good day, a good week. Please know that if we can do anything for you here at Emmanuel, all you have to do is let me know. God bless you, my friend. Have a wonderful day.